Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted to talk about something that I'm sort of having to navigate with Workouts Plus Plus. That seemed like an interesting discussion to have here and a topic that is kind of a perennial one, one that we've talked about many times um, around business and pricing and that sort of thing. And so for a little bit of background, so Workouts Plus Plus is an app that I released right around this time last year. Um, whose primary purpose is to create a fully customizable uh, workout experience on the Apple Watch and then on the iPhone to provide a much more detailed analysis and display view of all of the workout data you've uh, ever collected with an Apple Watch, wherever that came from, whether that's in Workouts Plus or somewhere else. And um, it's an app that I made because of a few, a few shortcomings or things that I didn't like about the system app, which is typically where a lot of my ideas come from, where like there's an existing thing that um, I doesn't quite work the way I like, so I wanted to make it better. I wanted to improve it. I had some ideas for how I liked it, and so that's why I started it. And um, it is an app that I, you know, I use on a very regular basis, you know, five or six times a week, at least, um, I, I use this app. And so it's very tailored to, to what I, you know, to the way that I think and the way that I work. And I'm in the process now of finishing a pretty substantial, uh, update to it, which will be launching hopefully in about three weeks, um, as you're listening to this, um, which is kind of bearing down on me. Like now that I have like about two weeks left of, coding to get all the last bugs out. But in about two weeks, I'm going to launch a big update for it. And so naturally, you start to think about, you know, what are, what are you going to do with this, this new update? Are you going to make any changes? Uh, you know, it's a good opportunity to uh, kind of reflect on how the app has done and where it might, you know, where it might go in the future. So in the initial version, the version that I last, I launched last December, um, the app was paid. Uh, it was a $5 app. And my reasoning for that initially was coming from a place that it is a very focused sort of power user niche kind of a thing. Like the bill, A, you have to have an Apple Watch for it to be useful, period. Um, so that's reducing my potential audience to you know, down quite dramatically. Uh, I think in my for my analytics, for health conscious people, uh, right around maybe 10% of them have an Apple Watch. Um, so, of iPhone users, I mean. So that's pretty small. And then you need to want more than you get out of the built-in app. So it seemed like, well, there's not that many people um, who might use this. So like, maybe I'll make it paid. Like maybe I'll sort of take that approach. Um, and also it seemed like it was a fairly, it's fairly premium in the sense of it was a, you know, it's, it's trying to do more. It's allowing you, if you really care about this kind of stuff, you can tweak and adjust and do a lot of things. And so I was like, let's try that. And the short version is that um, it didn't do very well at all. Um, I was, I'm about to get into exactly how poorly it did. Uh, before I do that, I always want to just sort of disclaimer things that anytime you hear people talk about uh, like sales numbers or things like that, um, it's always good to take it with a grain of salt that the, the two types of numbers you tend to hear are when things go very poorly um, or when things go unusually and exceptionally good. Um, so just something to keep in mind that... Um, you know, results not typical. Like it's it's just these are these are it's just instructive insofar as helping sort of couch where I'm going to go with this next. Um, uh, but in uh, the first year of the app's life, the app made sixteen thousand dollars, which is not 
you know, nothing to sneeze at. It's a good, it's a, it's a good uh, run for an iOS app in many ways. Um, but as you know, you would, if you would, as you would expect, it probably made 50% of that in the first month and has settled down dramatically since, uh, since then to, at this point, it's not uncommon to have a day where it's like zero or one sales, um, is starting to become pretty common. And I think that's a, a pattern that is very common with a paid app and just with apps in general in the app store, that there's this pattern where you might get a little bit of interest up front and then it just falls off. Um, and this app in particular, like it's competing against such a wide variety of things that uh, in retrospect, it's probably not uncommon, not unexpected that it's very hard to justify that someone would, you know, pay a substantial, um, or at least a substantial in the app store sense uh, amount of money for it. And so from that perspective, I kind of view it as, financially as a bit of a flop now. Um, it's not something that I think is financially very, very viable at that point. And if anything, it's kind of silly that I continue to work on it, um, except for the fact that I use it every single day um, and I really like it. And I have the benefit, I suppose, of you know my virtue of being self-employed and being able to make these kind of choices that don't necessarily make sense financially. I can just keep working on it because I like it, because I enjoy it, um, and I can you know support myself with my other apps. Um, but that brings me to uh, version two, where I think is I'm, I'm been I've been toying with a variety of things. It seemed obvious that I should definitely make the app free um, in so, in some ways because I think uh, that's just the app store where we find ourselves now. That like the, the paid apps are become there's you have to be doing something else I think for that to be a viable. Uh, situation like very almost all of the you know the app store is is free with something else um but when i when i decided made that decision then it's like you start to get into okay should i have ads should I have some kind of in-app purchase or subscription situation and the more i thought about it for this app the more i kind of decided that maybe this would be an interesting opportunity to rather than go down the road of trying to work out some method to extract um you know, money from these customers, um, who are these potential customers, even like the, the user base is incredibly small now. And any amount I get from them is, you know, it's still going to be somewhat immaterial, um, unless I was able to grow the audience. So, and anytime, any of those scenarios that I came up with, like putting ads into it, it doesn't really work because ads tend to work well in apps that you will go to on a regular basis, like several times a day that become a more habitual app. Uh, whereas an app like this is the thing that you might open, maybe once a day at best, probably more likely um, once a week um, on the iPhone side, just because that's the nature of you know, how often do you really need to do like deep dives into your past workout history. Um, and I also just kind of thought like, you know, that's it's it I, it. I don't really like the feeling of ads in general. Like I know they're, they're an absolutely necessary situation, but they weren't the, my favorite. And then, so it's like, okay, so I do some, some kind of subscription, some kind of in-app purchase, some kind of situation where like, well, you get the first X, you know, you, some, you can see the last week's worth of data, but you can't see more unless you pay. And you putting up a lot of barriers and pain points in my app. Um, and I just, I decided that I think what I'm going to try instead is to kind of view the situation I have that by virtue of having diversified extensively in the past, um, that I am now in a position where I can, uh, view my, my, my existing business that all my other apps as a venture capitalist who is able to finance the development 
of apps that can just go out and see how big of an audience they can get, they can garner and worry less about the immediate return and outcome and squeezing every penny out of the app in the near term as I can. And so I think I'm just going to make the app totally free. No in-app purchases, uh, no ads, no barriers or pain points, no nothing to try and create like a point of hesitation that if someone is potentially interested in this, they can go and get it and try it, try the full experience. Um, and like the only kind of vague monetization-y kind of thing I'm going to do is have links to my other apps which are you know, related and potentially interesting to that person um, in the app, just as a, that, that seems like a reasonable best practice kind of a thing, but not even really expecting to make much from that. But anyway, like it's kind of this interesting model because I've never launched an app that had no, or like sort of an app like this where I have no immediate uh, like financial benefit. It's entirely a, pl- a goal or a play of seeing how big of an interest I could get in this app when if I take away all the potential limiters, all the potential um, things that might get into get in the way of its growth, and then just see. And like in a weird way, there's a very small chance that it goes anywhere. There's still a very most the most likely scenario is that even completely free, no barriers, no one no one downloads it or uses it in the, in the long term. Um, but I can potentially rather than having a very high chance of having it have a a, like a very good chance of having a very small audience. I have a very small chance of having a potentially big audience. So I don't know. Is that crazy? I probably not. It's just, it's hard to think about. Like it, it's hard for people like us who don't usually do future uh, bets on growth and figure and, and thinking like maybe we'll make money on this someday in the future. Like that's not something that we as indie iOS developers usually do. Um, and, that is how a large part of the industry works, so it's probably worth uh, considering that. You know, as you kind of mentioned, you kind of said it was like analogous to a like a VC kind of model. Um, with the disclaimer that neither of us are venture capitalists, uh, I, I think that's not a bad not not a bad metaphor. You know, in the VC world, they know if you just have a big audience, and more importantly, if you have growth that that seems to be consistent or accelerating, there will be a way for that to be valuable. Like, you know, even if it isn't immediately apparent, even if you defer that value until later, um, and sometimes, you know, in, in many cases, getting that growth is so important and so valuable that they intentionally defer any kind of monetization just to leave the doors as wide open as possible for people to come in. And then they figure, you know, later down the road, this can be worth something to somebody, whether it's direct or whether it's then being sold to someone else and then they figure out how to monetize it. Uh, or if it's if it never needs to be directly monetized at all, you know, there's lots of situations where where something uh, has value to the people who who make it or who fund it, even if it never collects direct revenue. Um, that you know, there's all sorts of you know side benefits things can have or strategic benefits to some to some bigger picture. That's not a bad idea, and it's also not a bad idea to say I don't even know what the outcome could be, but you know, since it's already You've already made some money off of it, the and that money has already dried up basically. So it's like it, it on some level, it's like, well, you know, what are your options here? <laughs> you yeah. know, like like you you know you you ran through the challenges of you know this particular app, Workouts Plus Plus. Like it's not there's not a lot of places that can be easily monetized in a way that are like in ways that are likely to succeed because it is you know mostly used on the watch. It's hardly ever launched on the phone. Uh, you know, there's that's just going to be really, really hard to monetize it in a meaningful way. Um, so, 
I think you, you're kind of in a corner here that I don't really think you have a lot of other options. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because it, it's, it would be kind of freeing to just let go of the idea of direct monetization with this app and just see what happens. I mean, you have enough apps and enough experience out there that you know the kinds of user numbers that you can get when something has no boundaries, like when, when, there's, when it's totally free um, or when it's free with an app purchase. Like You've seen those numbers, and you've seen what it gets when it's paid up front, too. And I think you have enough experience and data to be able to make that kind of decision. Yeah, and I think something that it, – it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like the thing that makes me want to do this most is that I've never done it before. And something that I have found time and time again, like in the many, many years, what is it, almost nine years of being an iOS developer, like, uh, is that the time that I've, things that I've like learned from the, learned from the most or expanded my business the most have tended to be the things and the times when I'm doing something new, where I'm doing something that I haven't tried before. Because otherwise, I imagine like the problem I run, I so often will fall into, I think, is that I am doing things the same way that I've done them before. Uh, and sometimes that's good. Like there's a, like a good lesson to be learned or there's a best practice that you can pull from something. Um, but very often, I think that I get stuck on like, well, I did this, I did this this way before. So let me do it that way again. Um, and that is probably in the long term, like, like the death of my business, like that if I keep trying to just do the same thing in the same way, even it can be effective in the sh- in the short term, like I kind of get nervous. And in this fun, funny way, like as soon as I had this idea that I was like sitting, I was like, you know, what if I just make it totally free? And not even though like the fact that like, in many ways, that is like foolish, like in the in the I'm you know I'm giving up a there's a definite downside in a financial cost like I have a reasonable expectation that like if I you know have a big up big update and I you know get a little press and do my little things that I would have a nice couple of weeks of income but it's the understanding that like maybe it's better to not worry about that and because I've never done had that perspective like even that's uh like that's exciting and interesting to me in a, in a funny way and I think it reminds me of the importance of not being complacent with anything, like to just always be looking for opportunities to try. And like, in this case, like, it's a good thing to try because it's not doing anything for me now. Like, I have this thing that maybe has a potential upside or potential interest somewhere down the road um, but that's never going to be realized in its current state. So let's try it and see. And, you know, maybe there'll be a podcast in a couple of weeks or a couple of months where I'm like, that was a terrible idea. Um, and then I can change course or decide what I want to do at that point. Um, but it's a weird, in a weird way. It's almost like whenever I encounter a place that's like, I've never done that before. That makes me like doubly and perhaps slightly irrationally interested in trying it. Um, just so that I can finally, I can add that data point, um, into my collection of other data points and kind of have, be able to make a better decision for whatever my next app is whatever that may be well and there's also there's other value here too like you know for in direct value like you know you're getting these users and you know you mentioned earlier that you you know some of them will buy your other apps so that's that's some value right there you're going to get a certain number of people in from from any kind of press you get more of them will stick around because there's no barriers to them sticking around 
Um, so then you'll have even more people looking at your other apps. You will, you know, you'll have some spillover press that where people who see the press will look at your other apps. So there's all direct benefits there. Also, you are now talking about it on a podcast episode. You're probably going to talk about it again on at least one more podcast episode. We get paid to do these podcast episodes, <laughs> so like you're so you're you're generating you know good topics for content for the things you do you, for other ways you get paid, and then if new listeners come in because they wanted to hear how that turned out, maybe you write a blog post about it, right? And so then and you know and you don't have ads in your site, but then those people might come to the podcast where we have ads, which I'm about to do in a minute, and <laughs> they might stick around. So then not only were, did you get paid for that episode where we talked about this, but then if they stick around, we can raise our rates down the road. And then that person has delivered you value down the road of increased money per, per podcast episode. So like, th- there's a lot of like network effect here that builds over time. Also, next time you have a new app to launch, you have a place you can promote that where there's more people listening. Both the podcast will have more listeners, and then you can even do an in-app promotion in Workouts Plus Plus, which has this now massive free audience, and and then you can sell another app. So like there is a lot of network benefit here to you. Even if that one app itself does not directly make the money, it is it can cause this network effect to happen. I know this is not the correct use of network effect. It can cause these side effects to happen that themselves can bring you value. Yeah, and I think what's liberating in a weird way about that is it's, I think it's so easy to, and maybe it's, certainly it's different. I appreciate that I'm in a privileged position to have other apps and other, other means of support that allow me to do things like this. Like it's probably fair to say just like, yep, I totally get that the, the, the privileged position that that is, um, that if this was my first app, this would probably not be a great idea. Um, but because it isn't because I do have this opportunity. Like it's interesting to, yeah, it's like, as you're saying, like there's all of these other things that these other potential, uh, avenues for benefit that I typically close myself off to because I get too folk, too, uh, short-sighted that, and in a weird way, like, I mean, it's so easy, I think for myself. And I mean, generally I would say like the sort of the, the, the more indie development community to kind of look down our noses at, the more you know, like MBA businessy folks who probably honestly have a better understanding of all those kind of auxiliary benefits that you were just talking about, like all of these other effects and things that maybe they quantify, maybe they don't, but they have a better understanding of the fact that it's like, don't worry, you know, just worrying about what I'm going to, the income I'm going to get from an app in the near term is almost certainly not taking into account the full the full picture or the full understanding of like what possibly could be coming down the road and so as like independent developers we might be shooting ourselves in the foot as a result because we're so focused on this or or like what's going to happen now and maybe when you're starting out and you're trying to launch your first app like that initial burst of income and having a sustainable living and paying for medical insurance and like all of that yeah it's like it's much more important but understanding that that's not the only way to live is probably you know it's it's like it's definitely better to have that kind of that that, a, a bigger breadth of perspective and maybe try and learn from another world like i tend to i think i i like consciously and unconsciously i like look down on bc apps in in a weird way like it's and that kind of any kind of any time i find myself being kind of you know elitist or biased or whatever you like you know sort of 
having a prejudice against something like that, like that's probably not a good thing, right? Like that's in, in general in life, like being prejudiced just sort of without basis is not good. So maybe it's like, yeah, it's good to, it's good to stretch ourselves. It's good to think about these kinds of things and try and learn, you know, learn, learn from the result. We are sponsored this week by Linode. Linode has fast, powerful web hosting options that you can get up, get set up in just seconds. Linode's tools are very easy to use and understand. They let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And Linode plans start at just $5 a month. That gives you a Linux server with one gig of RAM in the Linode cloud. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system like what me and David run, Linode is the right choice for you. They offer the fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. It has never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server, and Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running mail servers, running private Git servers, operating powerful applications, and so much more. And Linode has fantastic pricing options available. As I mentioned, you can get a server with one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. Man, I, I remember when, when web hosting used to actually be expensive. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, and you can scale up. They have like 16 gigs of RAM for just 60 bucks a month. Lots of plans in between. And across the board, this is twice the amount of RAM that you'll get elsewhere. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you will, you will be supporting us and you will get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code RADAR2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, an, an example I have from this from this world that I'm developing is uh, my uh, podcast MP3 encoder called Forecast. Um, this is I, I've gone through similar thoughts as you with with like what I should do with monetizing this, and you know this is a this is a specialized tool. It's it's a Mac podcast MP3 encoder that lets you make chapters and stuff in them, and so this is. This is going to have a very small audience. You know, I, I think I'd be lucky to have hundreds of people using it. Um, certainly not more than that. Um, and if you if you you know do some quick math, like how much do you have to charge money to make meaningful money when your customer base is that small? Like, like I did, like you know, so it, 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 you know, quick math. Suppose I charge fifty bucks for the app, which is mm-hmm. I, I think decent for like a, a Mac, a good Mac utility. So suppose it's fifty bucks. If I get 500 customers, which is way higher than I think I will get, especially if it costs 50 bucks, that's $25,000 gross. After taxes, that's more like $15,000. Thanks, New York. And so, you know, it's like I'm going to have to build up the infrastructure and provide the level of support that people would expect from a $50 app to only make at most maybe $15,000 over the lifetime of this app. Like that's that's a balance that like, the what you have to put in place to support a fifty dollar app properly, like to what customers would expect for that, uh, I don't. It's not worth that to me for, to make that amount of money. Like I would, I would want to be making more money if I was going to set that up at all. And if it's fifty bucks, like I think five hundred customers is actually pretty optimistic. I think a way more likely number is one hundred customers, <laughs> in which case I'm making three thousand dollars. Which I can buy a MacBook Pro, but that's about it. Not even I can buy most of a MacBook Pro, but <laughs> like that, like. This is not, we're not talking major money here. And so it wouldn't be worth the overhead to me of having to support having, having it be a paid app. 
Um, so I started looking at like, you know, what are the other benefits of this app existing? I mean, and one of them, and, and you know, you mentioned like you use Workouts Plus Plus. You like it. And so, yeah. you know, I use Forecast. A lot of my podcaster friends use it. Uh, soon, once I release it, other people will be able to use it too. And it benefits us all simply by existing. Like the fact just that I wrote it, that is a benefit to me because it saves me time every week and lets me make podcasts better. Like, and the podcasts make money. So like, even if I never make a dime from it, and even if it has, even if I never even distribute it to anybody else, it already has been worth the time I put into making it just for the value it provides to me. And then also there's things like political goals. Like I, you know, like I believe that it would benefit podcasting as a whole if more people use tools like this and, and I can advance certain goals I have. Like, I think MP3 is the best format for distributing podcasts right now, not AAC. And if people currently want to use chapters, they often use AAC. Uh, and so I think MP3 is better for that. So I can put up this tool to kind of advance that agenda. And I have this other app, Overcast, which has, you know, it, that, that, that does make money. And there are ways that a podcast encoder could benefit Overcast. So for instance, um, Overcast will always support every forecast feature like i you know I, if i can make sure that like the way i do chapters and forecast will work in overcast because i'm writing both sides that it's using the same library on both on both ends i can make sure that always works properly i can also build new features into overcast that require some kind of metadata on the encoding side and then i can add that to forecast and i can have this you know this at least the podcasts who use it they can then use these features that, that I can integrate into Overcast. And so like, the, there, are, there are options I have there. And, and there are lots of alternative business models I can use besides paid up front, obviously. There's like, you know, trials and, you know, nagware and stuff like that. I, I don't really want to do that. There is one thing, though, that, that could be a direct benefit here, is that Forecast is used by podcast producers. I need to reach podcast listeners for Overcast. I need podcast producers to promote Overcast. <laughs> so yeah. I could make it just like the deal is if you use Forecast, you need to either either buy some kind of like goodwill policy or by like forcibly embedding a promo in, um, unless you pay or something like that. I could require users of Forecast to promote Overcast in their shows. That's a little gross. I you know, I don't like having it be a hard requirement. But I could just put like a little piece of text somewhere saying, hey, you know, please promote Overcast periodically in your shows if you like this. You know, and, and that, you know, not everybody would do that. Probably a very low percentage of the users would do it. But if any of them do it, that's still a benefit. So there are lots of ways that I can look at this. And like, it, it's very clear to me that I do not want this to be a paid upfront app because it wouldn't bring in enough money to be worth the hassle and the support costs. But there's lots of other things I can do that the more people use it, the better these effects get. So it probably should be free. Yeah, and I think would you as you're unpack sort of unpacking that, what I see is it's exactly the same sort of situation that you were outlining for what I'm finding myself with, where it's the these auxiliary effects or network effects or whatever you, these like these sort of these vague, kind of slightly amorphous but definite benefits that just having it out there as broadly as possible, because taking advantage of the fact that it doesn't like cost us we're not producing a physical object that we cost us money to produce like an extra copy it's just we can just put the put it out there and it's as as many people as use it as possible like there's no ongoing um cost to us that that nest sort of almost necessarily accrues all these other little side benefits that are 
Wonderful. And especially because it's, it's like, it's not totally orthogonal to like your main business. Like if it were like you, you wrote this Mac, you, you, you wrote a to-do list manager on for the Mac. Like, okay, that's a bit more complicated to have these kind of these beneficial overlaps. But like, even just the fact of like podcast producers be knowing about overcast is a great thing. If keeping in mind that over people, the people who buy the ads that are shown in Overcast are podcast producers currently, right? Right, right, exactly. Like just making them aware of Overcast and having it be a marketing tool, like in a weird way, it's like whatever potential cost you are giving up, whatever that few thousand dollars is, and not have not trying to get money from it. It's like just viewing it as a strict marketing expense. Like the forecast is a elaborate. Um, advertisement for Overcast that is targeted at a very specific demographic, but turns out to be the demographic that you are trying to reach to buy ads in your app. Like it is such an interesting thing when you stop. If you, it was like when you, like all these little benefits that can appear when you don't worry about the short term benefit of it. Like all these down the road, like just it's hard to quantify. It's hard to know, but I'm almost certainly. The more people who know about Overcast, that's better for, than not. Um, so, like, yeah, making it free and just ha- tr- and having the goal of it being, you know, that as many of as as high a number of podcast producers as possible are using it, you know, that's awesome. Um, and especially because, like, I know which of the apps that I, podcasts that I listen to are using Forecast because they have great. Like, like the, they have great chapters and the way the chapters work, like it all works seamlessly in Overcast. And so that makes Overcast look good. Like the more people who do that, the better it would be. So it's like, it seems like it's a win-win everywhere. Exactly. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We're out of time this week. Make sure that you download w- Workouts Plus Plus, buy it while you while it's still paid, and then buy all <laughs> David's other apps. And then uh, make sure you uh, use Forecast when I release it. In the meantime, please use Overcast. And uh, please, please patronize our fine sponsors on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> please like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.